We had a very hawkish Fed yesterday, but the stance from the Bank of England was very different, and so was the market reaction. We'll look at those differences today. Plus, oil back on the rise. Hopes of an early peace settlement might have dissipated a little for now, but there are still irons in the fire. And Aussie employment. Unemployment is falling. Great for those looking for work. But what does it all mean for the RBA? And the Bank of Japan, the next central bank, later on today. It's Friday, the 18th of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks continue to rally at close. The Nasdaq is up 1.3%. The S&P 500 and Dow both up 1.2%. The third session in a row with a rise. Prices on all those indices, the highest in a couple of weeks. And banks and power companies doing particularly well this morning. Oil is back on the rise. Brent up 9%, back well over $100, up over $107 at one stage. WTI is up 8.3%. The U.S. dollar has fallen 0.6% on the DXY index. It's down a little on the Japanese yen, down 0.6%. 4% on the Swiss franc. So safe havens not doing particularly well, but the Aussie dollar up 1.2%. The euro is up 0.6%. And not so the pound. It is struggling to show any gains after the Bank of England overnight. And bond yields have settled down after all the commotion from yesterday. 10-year treasuries are up two basis points to 2.2%. Two years are down a little on the end of the uh, day yesterday, but they are 10 points higher than where they started yesterday. And 10-year gilts are down seven basis points this morning. Two years are down 10 basis points after the Bank of England meeting. Uh, and that Bank of England meeting is the best place to start with Gavin Friend. Another quarter percent uh, rise, their third rise in a row. Only one member disagreeing with the decision. Uh, and a big step up in their inflation forecast for this year as well. Kel Surprise. Uh, well, it was a surprise. I mean, I would just on that uh, step up in inflation. I mean, they were thinking of seven and a quarter mm. in April. Now they're thinking more like eight. I mean, these get adjusted every month. Um, and they've actually acknowledged today that um, when the UK gets, you know, a new set of energy bills come October, that's when the regulator moves the cap on energy bills. They could go up to 10%. So they're not, they're not rolling out a further move down there. But yeah. that's not that's where like the early news 80s, is. Early 80s kinds of numbers when we're looking at 10% inflation, isn't it? Yeah, but that's not where the news is. The news is is on the Bank of England messaging. You know, as we as we've been forewarning, um, the Bank of England has been towing a very different line to the Fed and and even more recently the ECB. It has not been willing to be pulled by market pricing. Market pricing heading into this event was for for UK rates to go to something like two percent by the end of the year. Actually, after the Fed last night, that moved up to two point two percent. But the bank, you know, it comes under a lot of criticism for its communication policy. Um, but what it has been very consistent at since last August is is forewarning of a modest, a likely modest tightening of, of monetary uh, policy uh, over the coming months. And it has retained that view all the way through, you know, even as it, even as it has started raising rates in December and then following up again with 25 basis points to 0.5 in February. You know, that message is, has been retained just because it keeps missing the inflation target. Um, and today, the message, as we had forewarned, was dialed back a bit. They've now introduced into the further modest tightening, maybe appropriate phrase, the word may or might, um, depending on whether you read the statement or the uh, or the minutes. So they're now entering an element of doubt into whether there will be any further rate rises for the moment. I mean, it's something no. that we... 
had been thinking about because it comes down to when, when, when you're into this occupation of passing central bank communications, always fraught with danger. Do you play the man or do you play the ball? Investors have been playing the ball in the US and they have successfully, you know, seen the Fed that was reluctant to move, you know, originally pivot. And as we saw yesterday, uh, the culmination of that pivot was, you know, dot points that go up to levels that even markets weren't thinking about in terms of seven hikes this year, maybe another three next year. Um, they've had some success markets in doing that with the ECB, but not so far with the Bank of England that continues to resist it. And one of the reasons is that it believes that on the current sort of, you know, trajectory of market, the market curve, that will pretty much even half of that curve will pretty much take care of inflation. One of the members today, I mean, it's worth saying that markets were thinking, do they go 25, do they go 50? Actually, it was eight for 25 and one for nothing. Mm. And the fear is that the, uh, you know, the, the impact of what we're seeing going through on um, uh, from you know, higher commodity prices on real household incomes and activity could be more marked. You know, certainly we're seeing a decrease in consumer and business confidence and all of this. I mean, certainly the UK, unlike the other countries, is, is, is probably seeing the worst excesses of, you know, the rise in energy prices, something like 66% for households since last October and more to come. Businesses yeah. um, don't have any limit or cap on this, are facing, are facing 400% rises in energy prices, plus demands from workers for higher wages. And the Bank of England, I think, has always been more circumspect about this and saying, well, we're not sure about how this feeds through onto aggregate demand. In other words, some of that will take care of itself. That's what they're betting. Um, markets have, have sort of pulled their horns in and have dialed back now a little bit on how aggressive, but still looking for rates in the UK to get one to 1.9% by the end of the year. Mm. Our view, uh, and I think a view that others are starting to come around to see, is, is that the next meeting in May, they'll go again to 1%, and then they'll pause. And that's very consistent with messaging from you know, the likes of Governor Andrew Bailey and Chief Economist uh, Hugh Pill, who, who've, who've been talking about this idea of moving a little bit and then let's take a step back, see how it goes. And I think, you know, for us, we're looking for 1% pause, maybe another 25 mm. by the end of the year or early next year. Or not. It, it's not the one yeah. 1.9 or 2% that the market's no, looking that's for. A, that's a long way short of that, isn't it? And, but, but, I mean, you can understand why, because, I mean, it's not just energy prices. You've also got next month, uh, t tax rises as well, quite significant tax rises for people, uh, you know, across the board. Uh, people at the top end might not feel it, but uh, but your average uh, man and woman in the UK is going to feel it. And isn't that going to do? And, and if the objective is to try and you know uh, cut demand a little bit to try and uh, counter inflation, then a tax rise is going to do part of the job, isn't it? Indeed, indeed, it will. I mean, the Bank of England already had a forecast of, you know, they've been talking about the tightness of the labour market, unemployment rate down to 3.9%, getting near to the all-time lows. But their forecast now is, is that inflation with all this will probably start to rise. There'll be some spare capacity that'll open up with all these headwinds and, and the, the, the unemployment rate will rise to something like 5% mm. by 2025. That's before it takes into account what's going on in on, on, on Europe's eastern flank. So it, it's possible that, um, the, that, that that unemployment rate may go may go higher still. So they're, they're taking a cautious approach. It's very different from what we heard from Jay Powell last night. Whether, of course, whether, of course, the Fed is 
able to hike by that many times. Well, Jay Powell doesn't know. Nobody knows. Well, that's, um, that, I mean, and, 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 and does the market believe it? So we so we had the, so the two ten spread widened a bit today from that 19 point gap yesterday but it's still only at uh, up to 23 so it's still at levels we were seeing in 2019 when there was you know remember before uh the the, the virus there was concerns about the economy's growth potential five to ten years have actually inverted so doesn't this reflect some concern that you know the fed might actually be going too hard you know that maybe the bank of england is not going hard enough but the market's responding is going oh that looks a bit too much from the fed um it, it's possible that that's the interpretation i mean we we, we need to remember that we're also you know peering over the edge of geopolitical mm. issues and on the day you had after the comments from the ft uh yesterday of a 15 point peace plan coming together there was some pushback from the kremlin today not from putin himself but also from zelensky that that these reports were partially accurate but not really uh, and so i think there's a bit of a disappointment thing creeping in there that's you know pulled equities back a little bit earlier on in the day it's possibly ruffling bond yields a bit um but yeah i think i think you're right you know um uh, you know the fed doesn't really have a line of sight on this it clearly will be raising rates it wants to get a few under its belt and then the economic data will take care of the rest it's perfectly possible that we go down the road that some of this slowdown will rub off and the fed will not need to go as aggressive as it is signaling yesterday they are dot points they're individual views um they're not necessarily a plan as as jay powell would uh, would would like to repeat now i mean the fact oil is back on the rise of course again today is another indication that perhaps there's this belief that you know we are a long way off getting any sort of peaceful resolution it wasn't helped of course by joe biden calling uh, putin a war criminal as well that uh, that didn't go down too well uh, he's coming over to europe next week of course see if he can try and fix all of that maybe <laughs> maybe he can try and fix the problems he's created uh, with some of his words today but look i, I, I it seems to me that russia uh, has ground to a halt they're not making the progress that uh, they're expecting so that sort of reduces the reason for ukraine to to give in to russia's demands doesn't it unless you know russia decides they're going to go heavier and if russia decides they're going to go heavier then they run the risk run the risk of upsetting their relationship with china so whichever way you look at it, it's it's not looking like there's going to be a quick solution i mean it's not like georgia which was over in eight days this could be a long slow war couldn't it well, uh, that's that's the, the warnings have been, you know, of that for some time. But I think we all hope we're all learning that whatever you get on a day to day basis, there is this back channel that suggests that the talks are ongoing at various levels, may not between Putin and uh, President Zelensky, but they are going on between uh, at other levels. And so, you know, we just don't know how, you know, what's going to appear on this, you know, in the next hour or tomorrow. You know, we may find that things are moving along. Interesting that uh, Joe Biden will be speaking to uh, Chinese Premier uh, Xi Jinping um, later today. They're going to discuss Russia clearly. There were some supportive comments for from China, from the foreign ministry for um, for Ukraine today. And so you, from that point of view, you know, and the comments that China have made from various ministries overnight about supporting the economy, about taking a different road, perhaps on COVID. They're aware that their policies have not been great, all very calming to the market. Make you suggest they want to be engraced in you know, the global economy. They're not 
you know, taking the side of Russia, whatever they might be doing privately, you know. So, you know, there's, 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 we have to have yeah. um, confidence, don't we, and that, that, that something good will come of this. Yeah, we do. Now, Aussie employment numbers... Discussions, diplomacy, I should yeah, say. Diplomacy, <laughs> yeah. That, that, well, let's have some of that. Now, Aussie employment numbers, 77.4 thousand more people in the labour force, uh, way more than expected against a, a, a 19,000 increase in the population. So way more more people working than there are more people, uh, because, of course, we've had people coming back to uh, Australia as well and more people getting visas. So that's, uh, But that's only a small part of the picture. It's mainly, actually, people in the country getting back to work. And we saw unemployment down to 4%, which is the lowest since 2008. For women, it's down to 3.8%, which is the lowest uh, unemployment rate since May 1974. Although, of course, there were a lot fewer women in the workforce back then. But whichever way you look at it, these are extraordinarily good numbers, aren't they? Which is, or strong numbers anyway, which you'd say is good, but bad for inflation concerns for Australia. Yeah, and and uh, adding to your, your tally there, 3.7% in New South Wales. Mm. And it all comes at a point where the, un- where the uh, participation rate is rising as well to 66.4. So ordinarily, you might think, you know, a rise in participation participation rate may detract from a decline in the unemployment rate, but so strong um, that is not happening. Um, and it's now possible that we can dip below 4% as early as next month. I mean, the RBA uh, has been forecast, it didn't have a, a 4% handle really until Q3. So we're, we're kind of six months ahead. Um, and, you know, that's getting into the realms of what it believes is is Nairu or full employment. Um you know, somewhere sort of in the high threes to low fours. But as Lucy Ellis, as assistant governor, has been saying, you know, they don't they don't really know for sure. Um, all else equal, this should reduce the risk of um, of the RBA going earlier on rates. You know, they've been tiptoeing very glad gradually along. We've moved to to August. There are, there are others that think there will be a move in uh, you know, earlier than that. Um, I, I don't think the RBA is ready to make that step yet, uh, um, but um, certainly that's the direction of travel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see what the next... And the risk. Yeah, absolutely a risk. Uh, other data from the US overnight, uh, jobless claims have dipped a little, so that's good. Housing starts have picked up. The Philly Fed has shown business conditions. Well, they've slipped a little, but CapEx is up. Employment is up. New orders are well up. Uh, and so our prices paid. So there we are. Inflation in plain sight everywhere, it seems, isn't it? And uh, look, today, the Bank of Japan, they are one bank where, you know, there has been talk about more easing. Uh, so are, are we going to see that happening or not? No, I think the expectations there are that um, the BOJ will leave all its main policy settings unchanged. I mean, there has been, because of because of the way... U.S. markets are moving, the Fed's moving, and others, other central banks. There's been a sort of a drag slightly there, and some 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 investors have been thinking that maybe uh, they might be ready to consider some sort of normalisation. But it was interesting that uh, BOJ Governor Kuroda was addressing Parliament today, and he said that Japan's not in a position where inflation is going to reach two percent in a stable manner. You know, it's it's possible that we do get to two percent you know, in, in reasonably quick order. Again, for all these central banks, it's it's getting there in a sustainable way. That that's certainly the case that um it's there for the US, it's there for, for, for the UK. The ECB is joining that pack. Japan, the BOJ, it does not seem to be 
unsurprisingly, um, you know, in that camp yet. Um, and I think that lays, to, the, that lays to rest the idea that they're going to make a, you know, surprise policy announcement overnight, yeah. I suspect. But they haven't got, sorry, they haven't got the great resignation happening quite to the same extent, have they? So they haven't got the same pressure on wages. So maybe mm-hmm. that's keeping uh, inflation down. For yep. Anyway, we'll, this is very true. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll catch you again sometime next week. Thanks again, Gavin. Cheers, Phil. And that's it. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. Thanks for listening. See you then.